use for the entire oh, thank game. You. <laughs> Link, wake up! We need your assistance. <laughs> oh, please make this real. Some someone from casting is in this. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 348 of the Rated NA Podcast. It's been a long time since we've done a regular one of these episodes, but hey, what a, what better time than the apocalypse to uh, to bring these episodes back? Uh, <laughs> I here, think so. I know, it is. We're here with Brianna White. Hello! Hi! Welcome, welcome. Thank how you are, so much. Yeah, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, you know, on quarantine, like the rest of the world. Yeah, so a little insight for our listeners that may listen to this um, at a different time in history. This is March 19th, and right now uh, a good chunk of the United States and portions of the world are actually on uh, uh, isolation, or we're kind of isolating ourselves from one another. Uh, mm-hmm. Locked away in our social distancing yeah, is social the big new term everyone's talking Thank about. You. I couldn't, I couldn't remember it for a moment. Yeah, social distancing. So, uh, I've been doing it for about five days. What about yourself? Well, so funny story. When I went to PAX East, I thought, you know, okay, this is going to be an issue, and that was at this point three weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. So when I went to PAX East, I thought, you know what, just to be socially responsible, I'm pretty sure I'm not sick, but, you know, I usually do catch a little cold after a convention. I'm, I thought I'm going to I'm going to self isolate except for like grocery store trips for the next two weeks. And, and then like the day before my like self induced quarantine was over Mm -hmm. they announced like massive shutdowns and lockdowns and lock-ins and things like that so i have technically been on isolation (laughs) for like three weeks (laughs) okay so before we get down to business and and talk about why you're here because you're not here we're not gonna just cover the virus the whole time because that's super depressing but um what has that been like for you and what have you been doing uh, differently because I mean, all of us, you know, all of us that anyone that would listen to this podcast, we're all playing video games and like hopefully catching up on a little bit of relaxation now during a very stressful time. But what yeah. are you doing or what have you been doing that's been a little bit different and out of the norm for you? You know, at first it was really nice because I just got to catch up on all my emails that I'd built up over PAX East. Um, but uh, for a while there, more emails started building up and then nothing. So really, I've just ca- I've just caught up on all my emails for the first time in eight years. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I also noticed that the emails have just kind of stopped because everybody has kind of stopped exactly. going to work, which is really strange. The only emails I seem to be getting are from like large corporations being like, we're washing everything, we swear. Oh my gosh, like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, that's not good enough. Get inside. I know, for real. But other than that, I've been cooking a lot, which has been really nice. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, I've got a, a wife and a kid at home, so it's been a lot of meal preparation and and cooking all the time, which is nice, but also uh, like we were discussing before we started recording, you just burn through a lot of food and you don't realize like when you can't just go grab a sandwich, you know? Yes. Yes. It's like, you don't realize how much takeout 
you eat until you have to really cook at home all the time. Yes. It's really bizarre. Yes. I feel the same way. Yes. And I'm trying not to waste any food because like, like everyone else, you know, you buy a little bit extra just in case you can't find onions at the store anymore because everyone's stocking up like it's the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just want I, I want no food to go to waste. So I'm getting really creative with like items that I can freeze and how yeah. they'll best hold and things like that. And it's just something I've never had to think about before. Yeah, bread crust sandwiches and <laughs> <laughs> You, you do what you got to do, right? These are yes. these are these are dark times. So uh, you're known for a lot of things. Uh, really, I think you know. I, I started following you a while back because we have a mutual oh. friend, uh, Day Dan Hutton, is a mutual yeah. friend of ours, who, ours who's uh, hilarious and a great human. Hi, Day. And then um, all of a sudden, I think I was following you before you landed the Final Fantasy VII remake role. But I want to go back before we talk about Final Fantasy VII, which is you know, uh, very exciting. And I'm personally super excited for it. I want to go way, way back. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start realizing that you wanted to create stuff and act and, and do this professionally? How far back was this? So when I was seven years old, <laughs> I auditioned for my first play and uh, it was in like my school musical program. And it was actually their very first year doing a musical. And, uh, because <laughs> I, I went to a small private school growing up and um, I got the role of Molly in Annie and my parents pride and joy was that Molly has the first line of the play nice. in the first play that my school ever produced. And, uh, you know, I was hooked from, from, that, from that very moment. Yeah. I was like, my parents are proud of me. I'll keep doing this. Yes. That's fantastic. Are your parents, yeah. do you still have supportive family? Because I know that can be really hard in entertainment because there's oh, a, a lot yeah. of ups and downs. It's it's a spread, you know. Some of my family has never has never even thought for a second that I couldn't do it. Um, you know, my mom just has always been very like, do whatever you want. You'll make it work. I know you will. And that's really wonderful. Whereas my dad is a little bit more like, hey, I just really want you to be secure and safe. And I don't see a path for that in acting for anyone. Right. It's not personal, but he just was really scared for my future. Um, And so there was a little bit of that growing up, but uh, I never listened to that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Obviously. I, (laughs) I, I loved like doing school plays and such when I was a little kid. And then in fifth grade, I had a, a terrible, I was supposed to actually announce the school holiday program. So I got up on stage in front of like the staff and student body and all the parents. And I had one of those moments from a, a film where you forget absolutely everything. Oh my God. And it actually happened. So I'm staring, I still remember it vividly because I must've been traumatized. But, oh. <laughs> so I'm standing in front of everyone and I just completely blanked. Um, probably because I had been up like playing video games all night, like I shouldn't have been. But um, I'm up in front of the the everyone, and I blank, and people actually started laughing. So no! it was like this really no! dark. It was a dark, horrible moment. That's and dramatic. I, yeah, and I developed like really bad stage fright all the way through probably my freshman year of college. Like really, like a long. Like I was terrified to speak in front of people for a long time, and then I ended up having a really good speech teacher in college. And um, then I became a, a high school teacher. And then you just kind of have to not give a shit anymore. <laughs> once well, you, yeah, once you teach high school, it's a it's different like, kind of performing yeah, yeah, at that point. It really is. But yeah, it took me a while. So it's not an easy thing to do. And no. anyone that's never 
performed in front of other people, it's very terrifying. You really put yourself out there. So it's cool that you've been doing it for such a long time. How did it, um, how did it actually change and develop? Like, did you end up doing it high school, middle school? So um, I ended up doing the musicals through middle school. I went to a public high school where uh, they only did one musical a year and then they did uh, regular plays um, the rest of the year. I was in that program. Um, Actually, so when you're a freshman, um, they have your set schedule. You have like six classes and those are the standard six classes that all freshmen take. Then sophomore year, you have your standard six classes again. But um, I was talking to my counselor and I, I told my counselor, hey, I, I really want to get into um, drama. And she was like, well, there's just no room for it on your schedule. So I auditioned for the school play and my uh, the director, who was the acting teacher for drama class, he said, why aren't you in my class? And I said, well, my counselor said there's no room on my schedule. And he was like, well, you can make room. And he told me about a zero period. So I ended up taking a zero period, I think it was a history class, so that I could take an extra class so that I could be in drama class oh, from wow. sophomore year through senior year. And that was something that like no one did. But I was like, this is my calling. This is this is what I'm here for on yeah. this earth. Like I need to be in an acting class. Um, and uh, so I did that all through high school. Then I um, worked my butt off and I was lucky enough to get into NYU for theater. Wow. And uh, there was like an audition program there. And it was like, that's I so know. hard to do. Do people, uh, for listeners, like that is like, like I can't even tell you what percentage. I mean, I was a high school teacher, so I know how hard it is for students yeah. to get into NYU. It's not, it's not an easy thing. So that's fantastic. So you must have been, you must have had like a kick ass GPA on top of being a good actor. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope so. I mean, I did. I did really work hard. But, you know, um, high school is a hard age. And I did definitely struggle, even though I always valued school. I always liked school. I always found it very easy. Um, You know, I did not like homework. I didn't like to take work home. It never really made sense to me. I was like, adults get to just go home when they go home. Little did I know. (laughs) I don't. Um, But, you know, I never liked homework. And so I kind of just worked as much as I could while living the life that I wanted. Um, and I really think that it was not my academics that got me in. I wow. really think it was my audition. Wow. I think that's... that whoever I auditioned for really liked me and and saw the passion. So that's fantastic. Like, that must have yeah. just blown your mind when you opened that envelope and, and did you faint or anything? That <laughs> um, so was an email. Oh, it was an email. Okay. It was an email and I I felt my stomach drop and I, I swear there's there's only two moments in my life where I've started feeling like stars revolve around me. Like I'm like, this is this is aligned with who I am as a person and my purpose in this world. Like it it just felt like everything's changed now. Yeah. This yeah, is I, right. That's a really it's a really good way of putting it. I mean, you definitely you have those weird out of body experience moments where yeah. you know your brain is actually trying to parse that from this moment forward, everything is different. So you sort of, uh, your brain doesn't really know how to process it. So you have like, I think every neuron firing at the exact same time and it just, it etches into your brain. It just like stamps it right there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that moment you knew that things were going to be different, which is just great. That's fantastic. Did you feel the same way when you got the information about playing Aerith in Final Fantasy VII? Actually, yes. That was the (laughs) second time. 
That was the second time I had that feeling. That's so awesome. Where so, all the stars, I just, I thought, you know, the chances of this happening, of me getting to live this life are so astronomically low. And yet every, I mean, everything had to align from the audition to my GPA to everything that went through every person. If I had had a different person in that audition room, I might not have gotten it. Like it could have come down to something that crazy. And I know all of these things. And so the pattern that I followed statistically, I was like, I'm not getting this. And then I did. And I was like, you know what? Screw statistics. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I'm meant to be. That's so fantastic. So how did you find the NYU experience? Like, what was that like for you? You know, it's the number one dream school in the country. Um, Mm -hmm. At least it was when I was going to NYU. And as freshmen, we were like, yeah, we're going to the dream school. Um, but on the other side of that, um, a lot of people realize it's not, it it doesn't live up to expectations and that has nothing to do with NYU and everything to do with expectations. Right. School Um, is school. I mean, it's going to school in the city and it's going to be a big party every time and and it's going to be amazing. Um, a lot of, uh, students are not socially or culturally well prepared to, uh, be 18 in New York city without, a huge social structure around them. Yeah, that's a really, um, really great way of putting it. I've seen a lot of yeah. old students of mine get to school and have a very hard time because it's it's a lot to adjust to, especially New York City is just a, that's just a, a big to beast. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and for me, it, it, I loved New York City. I'd been one time before for a leadership, like a high school leadership conference. Um, and I loved the city. I loved the vibe of it. Like everybody's on a mission. Everybody's walking everywhere. And you just feel this like energy. I love that. Like it's like electricity is in the air in New York City. I love that. Um, but I grew up in Southern California and New York City is very cold. And I had never owned a pair of boots. Not one. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. um, Until I moved to the city. And so that was like a whole experience for me. Um, And so after my first year, I thought, you know what, this this might not be for me. I'm I'm not sure if if it is. So let me look into transferring to a college in California. Um, But because art schools are so pretentious, they're like, well, your arts credits won't transfer. Only your humanities credits. And I was like, okay, well, I took one humanities course last year. Yeah. So I was like, I'll have to start all over. And I was like, forget that. That's not right. Right. Um, So I said, okay, I'm probably just going to drop out and Mm -hmm. start working. Yeah. And um, a teacher of mine, well, he wasn't even my teacher, actually. He was a teacher of a, a fellow film student who was at my dorm who lived on my floor. He's a really good friend of mine still. And uh, his teacher, I was in one of the like student films and I had been talking to him about potentially dropping out and going to work. And he said, no, 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 no. You're not doing that. That is not the right call for you. My wife is a casting director and her brother is a uh, agent and will get you all set up with the provision that you finish school. Wow. Wow. That's so fantastic to get people looking out for you, though, because that's, uh, I don't think I've ever said this on 348 podcasts, but I I left my senior year of high school uh, a month before I was supposed to graduate. Wow. Because I had, I had like lots of, uh, we won't get deep into it, but I had like lots of stuff going on with my family and I had stuff. And I was, I was in a magnet school for the arts at the time. And I was the only senior in the whole program. 
It was very hard to get into. Wow. And I uh, ended up leaving a month before graduation because of all the stuff going on in my life. And it's something I've always regretted because I literally, I had no one to tell me what your support system yes. told you. No one told me to like not do that. Not my parents, definitely not my friends. Um, I had no really mentors or peers that kind of steered me away from that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I ended up, you know, I obviously ended up going to college eventually and <laughs> did everything I needed to do, but it, yeah. ma- it made for a very rocky twenties uh, for sure. That's so interesting. Yeah. It, it's just, it's like I keep saying, if only just one thing is not exactly aligned in the right spot, everything changes and can make a life changing decision. Yeah. One conversation. And- Yes, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, I feel I feel very lucky. And I know that some people say, well, you're not lucky. You worked hard or you developed those relationships. And honestly, I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a little bit of both, right? I mean, there's there's and like not to sound cheesy, but there's a bit of karma, too. It's like I've only met you a handful of times, but I could my mutant power is telling when people are like good people. Um, so I think like, I think since you are a good person and that usually, usually good people attract other good people. And so that's how you were able to develop that support system. Those people that help you through times like that when you were having, you know, issues figuring out what the heck it is to do. You know, I sure hope so. I don't know if I can believe you because I look back and I'm like, I was not always good. No, no. None of us are good all the time. Exactly. Like I look (laughs) back and I'm like, I don't know. Is anyone really good when they're like 19, 20? (laughs) Is Uh, anyone at 19 or 20 really good? Let's be honest. (laughs) No, probably not. Definitely not. Uh, No. Uh, no, I, I was not I was not the nicest or kindest version of myself as I was growing up, but I think I, I did learn to develop that over time. But I have always been lucky. Um, That's awesome. So I just, I, just, I just hope that continues. I think it will. I think it will. Let's uh, shift yeah. gears just a little bit. Yes. I want to talk about uh, Strange Rebel and content creation because um, yes. you make some awesome stuff and it's not Thank easy you. at all. And if anyone's ever tried to run a channel or stream or host, it's... Um, brutally difficult work and i know that i mean i if if you do it you might think it's easy but i've done it professionally it's very hard especially if you're going to uh, make a living doing it so how did you decide to start strange rebel and how did you um how do you find the whole process like is it is it daunting do you still enjoy doing it sure um that's a big question all in one um let's see So I started content creation because I was fresh out of um, NYU and um, I was doing my best to make it as an actor, um, which is really hard. And it's it's especially hard to just everybody says like breakthrough, but there's no real like it's not always a breakthrough moment for some people. Sometimes it's just, you know, doing a little bit every single day and, and doing what you can. And, and and it's just hard. A lot of the times it's hard because even when you have an agent, even when you have a manager, um, which some people consider a big breakthrough, which it's very hard for some people to do that. Um, which I was, you know, lucky to have set up for me right after I I graduated, even still, it's hard and you have to put a lot of your career in other people's hands Mm -hmm. and you have to, there's this feeling of, you know, waiting for the phone to ring. You know, I got out of school and that was the most structured period of my life. And then I come into 
a freelance position, essentially. Yeah. I'm an independent contractor, and I'm just playing a lot of video games all day. What am I actually doing for my career? Right. So um, eventually I thought, well, I'm not going to wait for anybody else. I'm just going to start working. And uh, I had a friend of mine from an old improv class when I was in uh, when I was about 12 years old. He had started a YouTube channel, and he was doing really well. And he said, we met up at a party. He said, Brianna, you have to do this. And I was like, well... <laughs> What, what would I make a YouTube channel about? He's like, well, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, fun? <laughs> that? I, I act for a living. I work. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, but, you know, when when I'm not acting, like I do, I'm, I'm starting to play some video games. Because I'd played video games all growing up. But then I stopped when I was in college. I, d I just had my Mac for work. I didn't I didn't really game. Mm. Uh, and I never associated myself as like a gamer. It wasn't like a thing that girls associated as. I didn't have a friend group who all played video games. Um, so I started I had started playing video games again. I had started like rediscovering. I played like Fable and some of the older Zeldas. Um, and since transition to, you know, Kingdoms of Amalur and Dragon Age Inquisitions, I played through the whole Dragon Age series and then went to Mass Effect. And, oh, um, so I good. Like, I know, right? So, so I like good. got a, a huge, like that whole period outside of acting school, the, those first six months were like a deep dive into some of the most loved video games in the past decade. Um, so I was like, okay, I could start a gaming channel. Let's give it a shot. I don't know. And uh, my brother had been talking about Twitch because he plays video games really intensely. And I was like, okay, Adam, let's start, let's start, a, let's start a gaming channel together. So we started a gaming channel together. And about six months in, he's like, uh, I don't really have time for this anymore. I'm trying to go to school. This is just a lot of work. And I'm like, that's fair. So he leaves and I'm like, okay, well, I still really want to give this a go. I'm going to rebrand. Strange Rebel Gaming was born out of trying to keep true to my roots because we were, were originally sibling rivalry gaming so we switched over to well i switched over to sr strain trouble gaming ah, i love the new logo the you have too with the lightning oh, thank bolt. you it's cool. thank you yeah i i feel the uh the lightning bolt really works for for what we're trying to do um and how do i find it to come back to your question i you know i, I started this journey in 2015 it's now 2020 it's been a wild, wild five years. Um, but content has sometimes I'll be posting once a day. Sometimes I'll be posting once every few months. Yeah. It's I'm hard. sure you relate it's to, to that. Yeah. It's, it's just you do a little bit when you can. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it can be very thankless as well. I mean, that sounds a little rough, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you, you put a lot of work into it and don't get a lot of in return uh, other than you know you're kind of kindling your love for something so it's like yeah. i still love doing the show and love doing this podcast but i've been doing it for like almost a decade in a couple weeks <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so it's like you know i was a different person when we started this yeah, show if you listen to episode one it's like i don't even sound the same anymore um I totally know how that yeah, feels. It's weird. I look back at some of my videos and I'm like, who is that? Yeah, she is a person? baby. Right? It's so strange, but it's it's great that you're you're still doing it and um, you know, I I think your your stuff is pretty fantastic. I remember when we first started following each other on Twitter, I started watching a bunch of your videos on YouTube and I'm like, "Oh, you're just like actually genuinely good at this stuff." Like <laughs> 
it's like sometimes like you know sometimes let's plays and stuff are hard to sit through but like watching like your reaction to like the last of us and and oh yeah the intro that's to one last of the of- big ones on my channel oh it's like it like as a parent that moment is so gut-wrenching and like watching you experience that i'm like oh god it's just it's brutal but like that is like a plus fantastic content so Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, that was really interesting. You know, I made probably 100 videos by the time I had made that Let's Play. Mm-hmm. And I had learned because I read every single comment that was ever left on my YouTube channel. I still do that to this day. Oh, you're brave. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I did it because I knew that all I needed in order to be successful on YouTube was to know what people wanted. And I knew I could do that if I just listened to what they were saying. And so I developed through time um, and through my Uncharted 4 playthrough kind of what people want to see. And I learned that what people want to see in my Let's Plays, I can't speak for everyone's, but in mine, is that they want to have that experience of like, oh, you felt the same way I did. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how I felt. And and they want to re-experience it through you mm-hmm. because it's your first time playing it. And it, it, being able to react authentically is something that I have always, always tried to do. I've always tried to set the mood before a playthrough. I've always tried to like take a deep breath and just say, okay, just experience this game. Not every game can do that, but the games that I play can. Right. A lot of narrative heavy games and yeah, yeah that's the, that's what I really noticed about your content was uh, and I you know I, I felt that emotional connection with you because you, you're a very emotional player and it makes the yeah. it makes playing through something that I've already played through uh, enjoyable again because like you just said I'm watching your reaction to things that I know are coming I'm like yes. oh, I'm like how is she gonna react when Max rewinds time for the first time oh, exactly yeah. it's like it's so fantastic so yeah um I love that you make this stuff you have to absolutely keep doing it but I want to shift over to voice yes. acting transition yeah so we're gonna shift over to voice acting and um i invited you out at pax we did a couple panels together first of all thanks thanks again for coming on the panels hey, thanks for inviting me that that, those and... were like my first like invited panels oh cool. awesome well you will be yeah. invited to many more uh if there's thanks. if there's ever conventions again <laughs> i know right i had all these plans for a couple conventions and they all just oh, you know gosh. it's such a ridiculous everything's time. been derailed it, everything has been um I want to talk a little bit about Final Fantasy VII Remake because uh, one of the most beloved RPGs of all time, I'm sure we have listeners right now that are shouting that it is the best RPG yes. of all time. And of course, when it was first announced that people uh, that, that it was getting remade, Square was remaking it, um, people instantly were like, how could they do that? But then they started seeing the, all the love mm-hmm. and, and passion that went into this remake. And all of a sudden you're not really seeing too many, how, how could they read, how could they remake this anymore? Everyone's just kind of salivating at this point. Oh yes. They're so, like, please remake this. Please remake please. Like, forever. Like just keep making more episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I, I love that that has become the general attitude toward good remakes. Like we're seeing it with resident evil and a lot of titles mm-hmm. that are being remade and remastered. People are like, yes, bring them back. Like make them yes. better than ever before so um you told me a brief version of uh, the how this process went for getting the role of Aerith in final fantasy 7 but i want to i want to hear it for our listeners for those that maybe have not heard you say it before and i know you say sure. it's not the most exciting story but it's still like 
you know, when you were talking about those moments where you have an out-of-body experience because you know your life is going to change, I kind of want to approach it from that angle and to see how, like, what were you, what were you doing on the day that you auditioned? What were you doing on the day that you, you got the news? Like, I want to, I want a nice, beautiful uh, mosaic painted here for our mosaic (laughs) painting. Okay. Sure. Um, so I have uh, never voice acted professionally. My The most of my experience with voice acting was I went to my agency and I said, hey, um, I want to do voice acting. And my agent said, everyone wants to do voice acting. What can you do? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, I had never taken a class. I couldn't afford to take a class. And so I was like, okay, it's just really competitive. I'm going to leave that there and, and never speak of it again. I'm sorry, agent. Um, that was the, the, that was the extent of my experience. So when I got the email that I have this audition for this project, um, I was like, whoa, this is really exciting. They must have like seen my gaming content or, you know, something, Uh, But as it turns out, um, they hadn't, and my agent didn't even submit me for it. Uh, The casting director just found me on IMDb through searching uh, because I was on a roster uh, at my agency, and uh, she was like, let's bring her in. Let's give it a shot, and um, (laughs) I I went in for something that I – that's crazy. Like that, that's that crazy it. because that's crazy that because it. I've been in the room um, where we're casting for a game, like working in games for a bit now. And normally what happens is we have, a, a you know, agents submit 20 people and we sit in the room and listen to their lines over and over again. The fact that you were like you were blindly chosen almost randomly like on the internet yeah yes it's unreal it's really unreal unreal. my agent didn't even submit me for it when i talked to him about it i said well did you think of me because i'm a gamer and he's like no i i didn't do any of this legwork i wish i could say that i did but it was like it just it just it seems like i i don't have a voiceover reel i'd never done voiceover work and yet they found me and a that speaks to the casting agent who must have worked her ass off right must right. have gone through so many people yeah um and it also speaks to like i'm very lucky oh yeah that this it feels like fate because because nothing else was aligned literally nothing else <laughs> the odds were not stacked in my favor and i'm sure i'm sure like there were some well-known people that went through her mind and instead or maybe in addition to, she was like, let me go, let me go searching. Right. Um, so yeah, and it, for all intents and purposes, there are uh, infinity realities where I did not right. get considered, where I did not get this role because that would be insane. But I, I'm going to tell you something that may sound like I'm pandering a bit, but I've had on, I don't even know how many actors and voice actors on the show over the years and you are genuinely really really good at it um i've seen you do it live now you sat in a, you sat in a room with like thank you some, some like <laughs> aces of the industry like courtney taylor and sissy jones people that have like crazy cred and you rolled with them and you did a fantastic job uh you're really good at thank it you. and that's that's why you were chosen and it wasn't just blind luck or fate it was someone saw something in you that was uh that was there so. Well, I, I got to say, I don't know what I did to develop <laughs> that. 
I really don't. I mean, I've always done silly voices. You know, you've seen my playthroughs. Mm -hmm. Every single playthrough has this weird, wacky, insane voice. Mm -hmm. But that's just like for fun. That's not skill. And that's how I had always divided it in my mind is like, yeah, I can do a weird grandma British accent when someone needs to put on a sweater. But it's different from developing technical skill, from breath control, from being able to sustain reliably a certain accent or mm-hmm. or even no accent, just a certain like affect or or tone of voice or raspiness. Like I I always thought, you know, sure, I may have fun with it, but it's different to call it a career. Right. Um and that just that just didn't end up being the case. Right. I mean, it's still it still is to a degree. I was completely shoved into the deep end of an incredibly technically difficult process with no experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of had to to rely and trust on what I did know and what I knew I could do, which was acting, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and go from there and just learn really quickly. Yeah. I mean, almost every voice actor that I've I've had on has always said that the foundation for becoming a good voice actor is first being a good actor and the rest will just sort of follow. There's a lot of people that always trying to get into the profession without having any experience acting. And it's not impossible, but you need to know how to portray a character, which is the most important thing and which is something you obviously had when you when you went in for those auditions. So, yeah, which I'm glad for. And yeah. I've always felt like my voice was the strongest part of my acting. I really have. Um, my, you know, my voice and my eyes, like as an actor, I know those are my strengths. Whereas like full body work has always been a challenge for me. So it is sort of like the more I think of it, a, a pretty natural tr- transition for me um, rather than me transitioning to say dance, right. <laughs> which I could definitely <laughs> not do. Oh, yeah. Um, me either yeah those are aliens people who can dance are definitely aliens nobody wants to see me dance that is for sure (laughs) not even i do not even around the house it's like it's like uh lurch getting electrocuted so oh my gosh what a description yeah that's about all i got yeah i'm gonna need i'm gonna need to see something maybe one day if there's ever a convention again i'll uh i'll shimmy a little bit all right i'm holding you to it Come oh, on, PAX 2021. Uh, we'll see. Let's, <laughs> let's hope it happens. Well, I don't want to dance, but let's hope the convention happens. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about the recording process. Uh, sure. Just to talk shop a little bit. Did you record by yourself? Did you ever have a chance to meet the rest of the cast prior to PAX? Or is this like, was PAX like the first time you actually got to sit down with them and say, hey? Uh, well, uh, a little bit of both. Okay. So. Because I am a content creator too, I thought I need to make something out of this. Like I need to make content with what I have at my advantage. And I had this project with these amazing castmates. And so I had brought John Bentley, the voice of Barrett Wallace, onto my stream. And um, I had met him before at KupoCon Vancouver, which is like a Final Fantasy fandom convention like it is only final fantasy and uh so we were at KupoCon vancouver together i'd gotten to know him he's just the warmest hug of a man i watched i, I watched met. part of that like, stream and he seemed like a, a super sweet guy gosh he is it's just unfair 
he just enters a room and everyone starts to feel a glow. It's like really weird. He's magical. That's cool. Um, and then I was able to bring on Erica Lindbeck, the voice of Jesse, onto my stream as well. So I had met both of them and, and spent some actual time with them, but I had never met Gideon or Britt. And so that was a, a genuine joy as well. Oh, that's so exciting. Was it yeah. was it weird seeing – well, first of all, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the convention itself because all of a sudden you're sitting there and then there's literally a sea of people – waiting to get your signature so what was that like i i went by i was going to come by and say hi and i saw like the wall of humans and i was like nope i'm not gonna <laughs> i am not gonna go say hi because that is ridiculous there are so many people there there um, were so many people there yeah that's so exciting what was that like when you first saw all those people showing up um you know i got a little bit of butterflies but it wasn't too overwhelming. I think the the biggest feeling that I had was like, oh my gosh, these people like pretty much ran here as soon as the convention floor opened. They must be really big Final Fantasy fans. Um, I think that the prevailing feeling in my head definitely wasn't like, these people are here for me. That's crazy. I was like, they are here for Brit. They are here for Erica. They are here for Final Fantasy. They are not here for me. Um <laughs> <laughs> but a couple people actually did come up to me and say, "Hey, I, I watch your I watch your videos on YouTube," and I was like, I "Oh, that's so fantastic! It. You are here for me." <laughs> and then I cried, and it was a whole thing. And uh, I'm very, very grateful that people would listen. I'm very line averse. I do not like waiting in lines. Mm -hmm. It's not my thing. But especially at packs where there's like so many fun things to do, like I hate like wait, I'm not a patient person. Mm -hmm. So the fact that people would wait in line for at least an hour to meet us is wild to me. Like I am so grateful. It's crazy. It makes me so happy because it's crazy. yeah, to give us that experience for them to spend their time and take time out of their busy, valuable time mm -hmm. to come see us like that just means a lot to me. That's so fantastic. So um, before we get, we had a couple questions come in from Twitter that I'll, that I'll shoot your way in a second, but what oh, is it like? Yeah. You're going to out me that I accidentally answered one of them on Twitter. No, I wasn't going to say that. Answer it on the podcast. <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out. Uh, right. That was embarrassing. Yeah, but, I was just going through Twitter and I didn't realize it was attached to your because it was just in my like notifications. And so I answered it because I'm very, you know, active on Twitter and I like to respond to people. And then re later I realized, oh, dang, this was supposed to no one be will, on. No one will ever know except for now because you just told everyone. <laughs> Listen, I'm a very honest person. I'm not ashamed. Yeah. It's a little embarrassing, but it's all right. It's okay. It actually happens quite often. You, okay, like, yeah, okay. whenever I do like the, who do you want to, people typically, it, it's like a 50 50. So you're, okay, good. you're not in the minority. <laughs> um, we got a handful coming from Twitter. This one's from Dreamer Me 3. Oh, uh, yeah. says, going into the role you researched and learned what character, uh, char what the character of Aerith meant to people after bringing her to life in the remake, what does the character mean to you? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, without, without spoiling anything, because I, I have to be very mindful because I've recorded for a remake. And so I know everything in it, uh, that has to do with Aerith. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to be very careful with my words here, but everyone knows that the character of Aerith is, you know, equal parts kind and sassy and she will you know make a snarky remark 
all in the sense of like humor and friendship, um, which is one thing that I love about her. But that's sort of like in the details of her character. At the core of her, she is always focused on the bigger picture. And I think that feelings of fate drive her as well, as well as they they do for me. And so um, being able to to portray a character that so deeply aligns with the idea of the details don't matter. You are going to be on the right path for you if you embrace it and listen to your instincts and and try to make the right calls and, and do your best and never give up. Have faith and have hope. And that is a facet of Aerith that I feel so deeply down to my core. And that message has driven me forward in some already very difficult times that I've had. And, you know, I've <laughs> it, like the game hasn't been finished that long. Um, but even still being able to, to always come back and say, you know what, Aerith would get through this and would know that like, this is going to be for the best. And I can do that's, that's been a life changing process for me. Wow. You're getting emotional. That's fantastic. I mean, it's, uh, it's a really important game to a lot of people. And I can tell that you, you're incredibly passionate about the character and also just about, you know, getting to kind of play in this world. So, you know, hopefully the, hopefully the fandom, uh, understands and appreciates that. I mean, that's, that's awesome to have, you know, a member of the cast that just loves the material that much that they uh, identify it with it so well. So, yeah, very I cool. Really do. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, that was a great answer, by the way. My gosh, geez. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I'm going to scroll down to one of the questions about pizza. Mean it. <laughs> <laughs> like pizza questions and like total dipshit questions that are like four <laughs> So maybe we'll scroll down to those. No. Okay, bring those on. No, bring yeah. those on. Transition. No, we'll, we'll do a couple more Final <laughs> Fantasy questions. Okay. Um, so this one is from James uh, G92102256. I think. Yeah. Okay. That, I think I said that right. This is my question is if you weren't vo- voicing um, Aerith, who would you, who would your dream character be to voice and why? Oh, this is the one that I answered already. Yes, so it is. good thing I already have an answer. Um, so I'll share with the with the listeners that I chose Zelda. Uh, I have been playing Zelda games since I mean, gosh, since the Nintendo sixty four and my family would all sit on the couch and we'd play it together. Like when Ocarina of Time, those mini games mm-hmm. would come up, we would like give it around and then pass the controller and then give it around and then pass the controller. And like the Ocarina of Time soundtrack is like the soundtrack of my childhood Mm -hmm. because we would like pause it to go eat dinner and it would be playing in the background still. Oh, that's so So, awesome. Yeah, man. I like Zelda is like entwined with who I am. So I would, I would love to voice Zelda, of course, but they went with another actress who's also amazing and did a great job in Breath of the Wild. Um, and I think she has sort of a, a British accent. Oh, okay. Uh, that would, like, totally not be me. Um, listen, I have an amazing British accent. <laughs> but, uh, no, not not exactly my jam. I like how you sound like a like a, like a 70-year-old British school teacher. <laughs> yes, that's, that's my Maggie Smith. I love um, it. I my love Downton it. Abbey. 
Yeah. Yes. It's wonderful. Nailed it. That's what Zelda will be sounding I really, like. In I, I really Zelda hope you get cast in something and that's the voice you use for the entire Thank game. <laughs> Link, wake up. We need your assistance. <laughs> oh, please make this real. Some Someone from casting listening to this. Make oh, this. Oh, man, make it happen. You'd be you know so- what? We're content creators. Let's make it happen right. ourselves. Hey, for real. We'll redub some Breath of the Wild cutscenes. It'll can, be great. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone's working out of their house right now anyway, so... Why yes, can't we, we need something goofy to to please the mass of people who are in isolation right now. Seriously. Are you ready for some uh, lightning round questions? Okay. All right. Me. Okay. These are kind of silly. Um, good luck. Here you go. Thank you. What was the last game you played or show that you watched that made you get emotional? Hmm. Ooh, this is supposed to be lightning round, but I'm having a hard time. I guess I guess Final Fantasy fourteen is like the most recent game that I played. Um, but uh, recently I watched a documentary on Netflix about babies. I don't know. That made me cry. Did it? I have not yeah, watched just, that. It's just a documentary called Babies. And it's just about like human development and how they develop bonds and stuff. At least the first episode was. And I cried and I was like, all right, that's enough of that. I'm done. Come back to this when I need to cry again. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think myself. I try and answer these too, but sometimes I don't even think of my answers beforehand. Last game I played, I've been playing. I've been playing Costume Quest with like my almost four year old, um, and and it's so awesome because he loves Halloween and loves just like goofy Halloween stuff. So it's like Halloween game, you know. And That's the cutest. It is. It is super cute, and like seeing his questions and like how into it he is, like collecting like all the candy and knocking on the doors. Um, it's gotten me kind of like dad emotional where I'm like, I super hope that he remembers it when he's older, like sitting down at the couch during the apocalypse playing costume quest. Uh, Yes. He will look back and think costume quest was the soundtrack of my childhood. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This one's hard. This one's okay. Are you ready? Yes. So what television character would you want to be your friend? Not the actor, the television character. Ooh. Oh, television character. Um, would you want to be your friend? Gosh, every time, you know, TV's become so cinematic. Every mm-hmm. time someone's like, oh, what TV are you watching? I'm like, I don't know. I watch like just short movies, but that's what TV is these days. I can't even think of a single show that I'm watching right now. Yeah, it's hard. I think my, my answer is while you think. Please. I, it would probably have to be someone... I would want to say, like, Buffy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But then I think, would she actually want to be my friend? <laughs> Probably not. She was pretty – she was almost all business. So I don't know if we would actually mm, pass. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the fun there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So then I have to go to one of my favorite shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Ah, yes. And, like, I think it's, like, a real tie between, like, Amy Santiago and Rosa Diaz. <laughs> They're both great characters. God, they're both great characters. But like Rosa is a little scary. Oh, like yeah. if, if she was that intense, like in real life, mm-hmm. I'd be like, you're intense. I love it. But like 10 feet away, please. Right. Uh, so probably Amy. 
Well, that, I think that's the that's the level of intensity of all sitcom characters. Like, imagine yourself actually sitting down next to one of the friends from Friends. They would be oh, impossible, yeah. impossible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like everybody in sitcoms is is you know incredibly intense. But yeah, uh, Rosa and that's Diaz where the comedy right. comes from. Is the conflict true. of that's being true. a strong character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but still, Amy, she's great. She's she so great. She is super funny. She'd organize my life. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> All right, next one. You are stranded on a desert island. Uh, a small box washes up on shore. What is inside that box? A Kindle. <laughs> okay. Does it have books on it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just filled with books. But... It's like not your favorite kind of book. Oh. Like it's like the wrong genre. Oh, and no. you're like, this is great, but, but... I guess I'll uh, yeah. I guess I'll read it. And then sometimes you're like, mm, I gotta set this down. This is just too dark or too heavy or it's just not my thing. So, you know, it's like a gift, but like not really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at least something to keep you entertained. That one's really fun because ha- half the half the guests we ask like a lot of the same questions at the end of the show. I guess half the guests try and find a way to escape. The others are just like, I just kind of want to chill and read, <laughs> oh my <laughs> or, gosh. or chill and play games. So it kind of tells what, what sort of personality the person has. Like, are they going to try and so escape funny. the desert island and get the heck out of there, or are they going to just like submit to the desert life and read books. that's hilarious yeah, i kind of want to i go didn't back. even think of like what i'd want to be in it i just treated it like a visualization exercise i was like what's the first thing that i see in the box oh, yeah. it's kindle all right kindle. that's a good Great. answer all right yeah. the perfect pizza is one topped with blank okay i gotta ask you do you ask all your viewers or uh, all your guests this question i ask for the past seven years i've always asked this question yeah. Okay, because me and my community have this thing about pizza. Yeah, tell me. Tell me so tell I was me. wondering if maybe one of my community members submitted this question <laughs> just to troll me. No. Okay, all right. I just had to check. It's fine. No. Um. So when I eat pizza, I really like it to be like one of those like custom blaze creations. Okay. Where it's like, it's like a white sauce and then it's got like a little ricotta on it and maybe like a vegetable, like roasted broccoli, some garlic. You know, that's the kind of pizza that like I really like. Okay. But the reason why me and my community have this thing <laughs> about pizza is because I don't know when it became a thing for pizza to be a meal when okay. all it is is cheese bread. <laughs> it's true it's all it is is cheese bread like it's not a meal at what point were they like here this appetizer i'll serve it in gigantic portions and it will be an entire food group for you that's true i never thought of it that way it is pretty much just a giant snack yes uh, in disguise as a meal but then like, again just imagine if they made a pizza size oreo and were like here you go we'll deliver it to your house Oh, now, see, what? now start that business during this apocalyptic time where you, you deliver go. giant Oreo cookies. Pizza-sized Oreo cookies. Yes. Making, making bucks. <laughs> That's my only thing with pizza is that I don't know when it became a meal instead of like so you eat this in addition to something with protein or nutrition. Of, of all the people I've asked that question to that you're the first person to point it out. Now probably yeah. never, never look at pizza the same way again. 
<laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. It's and okay. this is why my community is so mad at me. Because, yeah, you broke pizza for everyone. But to be fair, they also just disagree with me. Yeah. They're like, Brianna, you're wrong and you can suck it. <laughs> so You just need to a, make a, a, a merch shirt for, for your community that just says, pizza is a snack. I think that would Oh, sell. my God. <laughs> make the meme, the, like, change my mind meme guy. Yeah. Pizza is a snack, not a meal. There oh, man. Go. I would start a war there. I think you would. I think you would. <laughs> My brain is going to be stuck on this for a while now. Not that I have access to pizza. I mean, <laughs> not that I can get a pizza right now. No, no pizza, homemade pizza for you? Uh, I think there's there might be like an ancient tombstone pizza shoved in the back of the freezer from like <laughs> three years ago. So maybe I'll dust that one off in a couple weeks when, <laughs> things, when things get really grim. The ice flakes, just yeah. scrape them away. Yeah, when we're all looking at the dogs, like, which one do we eat first? Yep. Get the that's, tombstone. That's when the pizza will come out. That's right. All right. So the final question is, would you get along with a 15-year-old version of yourself? Oh, interesting. Um, You know what? Oh, 15 was a really hard year for me. Um, so probably not just because, um, a 15 year old me was in a bad relationship Mm -hmm. and, uh, didn't a know that it was that bad, didn't know how to communicate that. And it like encompassed and engulfed her entire world. And so she kind of was <laughs> a little angry and sad and lashed out at people. And uh, no, I would not I would not have gotten along with that because now I'm on the other side of that and I can see here's how you get through it. And I would just want so desperately to get through to her, mm-hmm. like just just let go. Yeah, that's a hard age. And I think I think <laughs> a lot a of us hard lesson, too. Yeah. We have a lot of us have terrible relationships around that time. Mine was like a little, like a year or two later, but man, that was a rough 15, 16, 17. Not easy. I would have, yeah, I would have not liked myself at all. I would have gone back. It's so many feelings and you just have never learned to uh, sift through them properly and be like, this is a helpful feeling. This is not a helpful feeling. You didn't learn those things yet. And I'm still many years later, still trying to learn those lessons. Right. Yeah, Uh, me too. Me too. Yeah, I would not, I would not want to go back and I wouldn't go back to being a teenager for anything. No, no, absolutely not. No. It was terrible. If we have any teenage, teenage listeners right now, um, you guys are going through the hardest part. (laughs) It will get easier. We promise you. Yes, for sure. Seriously, even though like everything else is hard in its own different way, and that's that's the part that sucks, man. About mm-hmm. life is every part of life is it it's hard in its own way. Yeah, that's very. <laughs> There's always a new lesson to learn. That's entirely true. That really is. I mean, it's yeah. uh, every every little you know positive moment you learn a little thing about yourself, and then you move on to the next thing and have to go over a whole bunch of speed bumps along the way yes yes but it's also um that's that's another reason i feel like that even more strongly you just have to find the joy in every day because like you're just gonna come up with new hard things all the time so like just acknowledge life is hard and find some joy find some joy today it's true i'm 100 percent on board yeah it's very good what advice. else do we live for i know well, Just yeah. be happy. Seriously, especially during this strange uh, time, all of us stuck in home waiting for bad things to happen. So 
Oh yeah, man. That's wild right now. It really is. It is so hard to like, just hang on to a little bit of hope. Like everyone's like, this is our new normal. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. No, please. You know, it's funny before, before we get out of here, cause we're almost out of time. Um, I, you know, I, I've been a community manager for a long time, so I have to read the internet, uh, a lot and read people's comments mm-hmm. a lot and it can be, it could be emotionally draining, but it has been really wonderful to see the internet use in a really positive way for the past couple of weeks, really. Uh, people reaching out to each other, you know, helping each other out, supporting each other, you know, using social media, maybe the way that it was actually intended to be used <laughs> when it was initially created. Uh, I I'm mean, just... people didn't intend social media to be good or bad. They just <laughs> wanted to make a bunch of money off of it. That's Come true. on now. Maybe I'm being naive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, you know what I mean? It's just been very yeah. nice to see uh, some nice things happening in a time of not so nice things. Well, and my own opinion about social media is that it's literally just exactly what it's called. It is a social medium, which means it is people. Social media is just people and amplified, right? So you're going to see extra, 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 extra good and extra, 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 extra bad. You're going to see the extremes of both because that's how people are. Mm -hmm. So you have to do the same thing that you do in real life that people haven't quite made that connection yet is you have to seek the good. You have to be the good and, and make that more your reality than any of the bad stuff. It's just like that in real life. And it is just like that on social media because social media is a tool and people are the ones using it. Social media can't even be inherently good or bad. It's the people using it. No, that's so true. Not forget that. Yeah, that's true. That's really. You know, a lot of people when I say I read all YouTube comments, they're like, "Whew," kind of like you were. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "I don't know about that decision, Brianna. I don't know if anyone." Just, it just that. means you have very thick skin. I mean, or or you I just don't take it for thick skin. But also, I reinforced the good. And, and made a real concentrated effort to not give any attention to the bad and just say, this is the world I want to live in. I'm going to create my own reality. I'm going to read the good comments five times over. I'm going to share all the good comments on Twitter. And I'm not going to do the reads mean tweets thing. Because guess what? Then people are going to send more mean tweets or right. mean YouTube comments. Like, I'm not going to go there. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta create the reality that you want to live in. Have you ever thought that maybe not to get all um, cosmic on you, but uh, this, this whole thing's been cosmic? Well, I know this this level of positivity that you have, though. Do you think that maybe that kind of factored into some of the, the good luck that has been happening in your life? You know, no, <laughs> I didn't always have it, man. I didn't. Yeah, I mean it. Like fifteen year old me was a really different person. Like even ten year old me, five year old me. Like I, I was not always like this. I have had to develop it over time. Mm -hmm. And all of that has come back to, thank goodness, my parents supporting my education because I learned a lot of these lessons in college about, you know, I, I, I almost minored. I was only one class off from minoring in child psychology. And it was there that I learned, you know, how to just kind of sort through the like static at the top Mm -hmm. and then get down to this like deeper, like, come on, if you look around you, like you do create the reality that you live in. And I've listened to probably a thousand hours of Ted talks. I read books about this kind of stuff. Like I have immersed myself in, in, um, 
uh, well, and even as a teenager, I was reading things like chicken soup for the soul. So I've always, I've always been a strong believer in like personal development. I've always just found that very, um, that was like my coping mechanism when things were hard for me. I, I sought personal development tools and I thought, you know, clearly the world is always going to be bad. There are Mm. always going to be bad parts to it. There are going to be things out of my control. I have to level up. I have to get better. Um, and that I think has, has given me this and I've developed it over time more yeah. than anything else. But I am just lucky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. How, just- see, after after listening to this episode, who could not be a fan of you? I'm just I'm just not just saying that. Oh. I mean, it's like, honestly, like you're, you're so articulate. You have so many good things to say. You. Um, you're incredibly positive. And I think the world needs much more of that. Um, when is Final Fantasy VII Remake dropping? For those that don't know, everyone knows, but. April 10th. Yay! And, and I, it'll be it'll be releasing on April 10th no matter what. I know. I just saw the tweet this morning that even if physical copies can't be delivered, it'll still go up digitally. So that's yeah, fantastic. Delivery companies right now are all rooting all resources, as they should be, to medical necessities and things like that. So yeah. I get that. But it, if people are a little bit frustrated that they won't be able to get their physical copy when they, when they hoped, right. and that's understandable. Um, but digital copies will always be available. That's right. Strange and unusual times. And where can people find you on all your social channels? All my social channels. Well, as I've mentioned in this podcast, I have kind of two loves and two worlds. And one of them is kind of like me, personal acting, modeling kind of stuff. And then my other world is my content, which is, you know, its own brand. So if you'd like to follow my content and gaming stuff, I'm at The Strange Rebel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like to follow a little bit more of me personally and like cute dog pictures and stuff, at It's Brianna White. That's the whole tag at it's Brianna White awesome. on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. We'll we'll put those in the show notes too, and make sure that people have links. And well, thank you so much for coming uh, on our three hundred and forty eighth episode of the show. How exciting though! It is. I have no idea what we're going to do for three fifty. We'll have to have a quarantine party or something like that. But Ooh, it's coming up pretty quickly. Yeah, but yeah, doors always always open anytime you want to come back and hang out. And I'm sure. Hey. We'll be in touch in the near future about upcoming panels, when and if there Hope are so. uh, more conventions. Well, who needs to wait for conventions? Let's have digital panels. We could do that too. Come Why on not? now, put it together. I gotta, I gotta think outside the box here. That's right. We gotta get creative in these trying times. <laughs> well, we thank you so it. much. My pleasure. Yay! Thanks for having me. All right.